the second by tonight will be from the book of James, chapter 5, verses 7 to 11. Uh, you can find it on page 1269 of your P Bible or follow along on the screen. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you'll be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we consider blessed those who, have been, those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Thank you, Jan. Now, if you're new with us, visiting us, if you got one of these outlines on the way in, uh, on the inside, you'll find the outline of the sermon that might be helpful for you to use as you listen to that passage just read, explained. Now, what we believe as Christians is that the Word of God is the Word of God. It's God's Word to us, God's personal Word to us. And so that's what we do each week. We have the Bible read and also we spend some time exploring it, have it explained. And what we do pray is that God will actually be speaking to us, speaking to each one of you. And so we'll, we'll pray that again. And do keep your Bibles open to James 5 if you have that. Uh, keep it open and we'll work our way through that. But let's pray again. Heavenly Father, we know that you continue to speak to us through your word. And we pray that you will do that now as we reflect on these verses in James. What it means to be patient in suffering. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, waiting, waiting, waiting. So much of life is spent waiting. We wait all the time. Do you know that an average Australian over a month would have spent about, on average, 35 minutes a month queuing up, just waiting? An average Australian over a month would, be, would have spent about 33 minutes waiting to pay for their shopping. An average Australian in, in, in Australia every day would spend about 54 minutes commuting. So much of life is just spent waiting. And then we're waiting for the dentist, we're waiting for the doctors, we're waiting in traffic, waiting on call for customer service. Tells us the worst. We're just waiting and waiting, waiting to get married, waiting to have children, waiting for grandchildren, waiting, waiting, waiting all the time. And when we don't like waiting, what do we do? What do we do when we don't like waiting? Well, we settle for instant stuff. Instant. Now, now, now. Like instant coffee. Some people would settle for that. I only would if I'm on a deserted island, but some people would. Instant noodles. Instant soup. Instant rice. Did you know you can put rice in a microwave and you'll come out with radioactive rice? Waiting, waiting, waiting. Sometimes our waiting is a waste of life, a waste of time. I always wait for the petrol price to go down to the, to the price it was when I started driving. You know, when I started driving, it was only 50 cents a litre. I'm waiting, but that's a hopeless wait. 
Sometimes our waiting is good, like waiting for the birth of a child. A nine months wait, it is a good wait. But so often in life, our waiting can be so difficult because so much of our waiting is done in pain, in sorrow, in hardship, in depression, in oppression, in heartbreak. So much of life can be done in pain. And we even question God. God, how long will this pain last? God, how long will my suffering go on for? God, why is it that my heart hurts so much? How long? How long must I feel tired? How, much, how long must I endure injustice? Or how long must I feel downcast? See, that's why we reflected on Psalm 42. We had that read in our first reading. And as you were listening, hopefully you were sensing the, the sorrow and the anguish of that psalmist who wrote down those words. He, he, he asks himself, he speaks himself, Why are you so downcast, O my soul? And you see how he describes his day? He describes his tears as the food for the day. What do you eat all day? Your tears. He even questions God in that psalm. Why have you forgotten me, God? Why must I go on mourning? And if you have to wait in life like that, feeling like that, how do you cope? How do you wait? And I'm sure even as we've heard tonight from Melly's story, the struggle that she's been through, the dark times she's been through, and I'm sure the story is common amongst many of us where we have struggles and difficulties and things we have to bear, things we have to endure and persevere through, experiences that we may have and we would never wish it upon another soul. And we all have stories. And, and I've shared this story in the past, but this way I reflected on this story again and it still churns my heart just to think about what this family went through. The story was about a family I heard when I was at Bible college many years ago. It's just hard to make sense of how could anyone experience and get through life experiencing such a thing. Well, this was a story about a committed Christian family in America, the Chapman family. Stephen Curtis Chapman, an American Christian music singer. He's won five Grammy Awards. He's got six children or had six Three biological, three daughters adopted from China as little girls. Do you know that story about he, him and his family? Well, what happened was extremely tragic. On the 21st of May in 2008, one of the sons, he was driving home, pulling up the driveway of their house. And his youngest sister, five-year-old Maria Sue at that time, ran to greet him. But he didn't see her, and he ran over her. She was airlifted to the children's hospital, but she was pronounced dead on arrival. Imagine experiencing that. How do you wait? How do you persevere? How do you live through life having experienced something like that? And this is a family who loves the Lord. Imagine the gut-wrenching feeling that this family had to go through. Imagine the guilt of the older brother 
who caused the accident. Well, in the aftermath of that grief and pain and sorrow, Stephen Curtis Chapman, he was unsure whether he'll perform again. But eventually he wrote an album, an album called Beauty Will Rise. And in this album, wonderful songs that just expresses the deep emotions that he and his family were feeling, the darkness of their soul and what they experienced, the emotional rollercoaster they went through. And in one of the songs, titled C, he writes this, Right now, all I can taste are bitter tears. Right now, all I can see are clouds of sorrow. But right now, all I can say is, Lord, how long before you come and take away this aching? So how do you wait? How do you endure? How do you persevere if that is your life? If you experience such a thing? You see, there's no fix it now, no fix, uh, quick solution, no instant solution. You can't rush it. And so how do you wait? That's why this passage in James is so, so important. And I suspect it might be a timely passage for many of us. It speaks right into that. And so what do we see here? Well, firstly, how do we wait? We wait patiently for the Lord. You see, this life is not all there is. It says a lot already there. We wait patiently for the Lord because this life is not all there is. If this life was all there is, it is completely hopeless. Do whatever you like in this life. We die, we disappear anyway, completely hopeless. But this life is not all there is. You see, pain will end, the Bible says. Tears will be wiped. Chaos turned to peace. All the injustices of the world made right. Vindication for those who trust in Jesus. You see, the Bible, the scriptures are very real, very realistic. It doesn't deny the harsh realities of what we see in life. It doesn't shy away from recognizing and calling things evil and wicked. And that is hard. That is suffering. It recognizes all of that. But yet God still says, wait patiently for the Lord. Because everything will one day change. Now, the sense that this, this brings to my mind, it's a bit like the scene from the, the movie The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, or the novel by C.S. Lewis. You know that story? Famous um, Oxford professor C.S. Lewis. In one scene, over the land of Narnia, there's this sense of hopelessness, this sense of despair, this sense of... of it's, it's just bad. Evil is winning. And it's always winter. And in this one scene, Mrs. Beaver says to Lucy, the little girl, and says, But there's hope, dear. There's lots of hope. And then Mr. Beaver says, Well, there's a lot more than hope. A whole lot more. Aslan is on the move. You know that scene? You know that story? Aslan is on the move. Things will change. Spring is coming. Edmund, the, the boy, he asks, well, who's Aslan? Mr. Beaver replies, oh, he's the king of the woods. He's the son of a great emperor across the sea. And you see, after that, Aslan on the move. The, the mood changes. There's hope. 
There's a sense of spring in their step. Spring is coming as lands on the move. And you see that sense that C.S. Lewis captures in that, in that novel. That hope, things will change. Someone is coming, someone is returning. The king is coming back. It's what James captures here in verse 7. Have a look. James says, verse 7, Be patient then, my brothers, until the Lord's coming. And this is not wishful thinking, just to make us feel better. Not just saying nice words to make us feel better. No one wants wishful thinking. But you see, when Jesus returns, and he will return, that will be it. It will be the end of the world as we know it. The kingdom of God will be consummated. No more chance for anyone at that point to say, Oh, Jesus, I can see you're real. I'm going to believe in you now. It will be too late for that. That opportunity has gone. But for the Christians who have lived their life enduring, persevering, when that day comes, they'll cry out, Lord, we've been waiting for you. And so James says, it is as certain as the seasons come and go, that will happen. Jesus will return. The land will produce its fruit. And it's why here he gives the example of the farmer. It will happen, but you just need to have the patience of a farmer. You know, the apples and oranges and avocados, they grow, but they do not grow overnight. Recently, I watched a, a documentary on on farming avocados that might say a little bit about how exciting my life is but it was only a brief documentary for avocados to grow for an orchard to grow and to flourish lots of effort lots of years of planning there's watering fertilizing pest control the right amount of sunlight for one ton of avocados to be produced it will require over 83,000 litres of water. Hard work, but a lot of waiting. And so what makes a good farmer? Lots of patience. You can't expect to have potato chips for dinner if you only plant it this morning. You can't just work for one week and expect a, a bumper harvest. You see, it's days and nights of waiting through the seasons, through the storms, through the scorching sun, and eventually the rain will fall and the harvest will come. And so you see verse 7, the second part. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. And isn't that true? The best things in life, you'll have to wait for it. In fact, there's a quote, isn't it? Uh, the best things in life are worth waiting for. And isn't that true? certainly true in my life. When I first met Yvonne, my wife, some of you may have met her, we met when we were both 11 years old, when she came to Australia. We met at church, at youth group. There's a good idea, go to youth group. <laughs> but when we first met, she was a head taller than all the other youth, which meant she was a head taller than me as well. So what do you do? Well, the best things in life are worth waiting for. So she waited for me to grow. <laughs> Not like an avocado, but to grow until that skinny little boy was transformed into her knight in shining armour and remains that way. 
But you see, the best things in life are worth waiting for. But James is saying here, it's not just the best things in life is worth waiting for, but the Lord of your life is coming. So be patient. He is coming. Stand firm, or more literally, strengthen your heart. Be convicted, be convinced, be assured he is returning. You can be certain of that. Don't throw in a towel. Don't be moved. Don't be shaken. Don't go weak in your knees. Be certain. Aslan is on the move. Jesus is returning. And so we see verse 8. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. It's why at weddings that I conduct, when the vows are made, I like it when the vows also include the last few words, you know, the standard vows that are made between those getting married, what they promise to each other. Uh, I promise in sickness and in health, forsaking all others, be faithful to you as long as we both shall live or until Jesus comes again. I'd like to add those last few words. Why? It sets the tone, even on the wedding day. It sets the tone, even in the permanence of marriage, that it can be ended because Jesus can come back any time. And so how will you wait? Well, firstly, we see here, patiently for the Lord. But we also are to wait peacefully with each other. Sometimes I feel like we can, all of us, so easily just get caught up in our own lives, in ourselves, my own hurt, my own pain, my own suffering. And no one understands me. It's just about me. And so we grumble. We get cold towards one another or short or harsh or unkind and nasty to one another even vengeful and vindictive and especially ugly when you see amongst Christians but we don't realize that everyone has a struggle of their own you see everyone has a battle to fight it's worth being kind to one another we do not know what happens on the heart of everyone and we get impatient impatient even with God God why are you not answering my prayers now why are you taking so long God have you forgotten me and we don't remember what we see here the judge is at the door it's like the door handles almost turning and when Jesus returns what will he find will he find especially his people bickering grumbling complaining disgruntled or will he find his people living peacefully with each other, with sympathy and empathy and bearing each other's burdens? You see, verse 9, that's what we see. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. So how will you wait? Well, patiently for the Lord and peacefully with each other. And in case we might think, well, no one suffers like me. I've got it tough. No one understands me. It's just me. I suffer a lot. Well, James now says, no, the prophets before you, they walk the well-worn path of suffering. And so wait perseveringly like the prophets. Because what happened to so many of the prophets? They were people sent by God to speak the truth of God. And what happened to them? 
Amos, he was tortured. Elijah, he was hunted down. Jeremiah, his life was extremely tough. His family betrayed him. He was beaten by the temple officials. He was imprisoned by the king, threatened with death, thrown into a well, all for speaking the truth. And it was so hard, so difficult that he even said, Cursed be the day I was born. But yet he persevered. He endured. And that's why we read in verse 10 now. Brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. And then we also read the story of Job. I mean, here's the example that takes the cake. All his children, dead. All he worked for, his wealth, his livelihood, gone. His health, lost. And what did he do? Well, he didn't throw in the towel. But he did question God. He did complain to God. He did even blame God. But he never once turned his back. He said, the Lord gave and the Lord takes away. That is true. But he didn't end there when he said that. He also said, but blessed be the name of the Lord. And later in Job, he said, even God, if you slay me, if you kill me, my hope will still be in you. He never turned his back on God. He persevered. He endured. And so we see, that's what we see. Verse 11, our final verse. As you know, we considered blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. And so Jeremiah, Job, eventually they were vindicated. And they are examples to us. And so when I'm suffering, or when you are suffering, whatever they might be, if nothing's wrong in life, then this is the season for that. Praise the Lord for that. But if there is suffering and hardship and difficulty in life, if it's too overbearing, too big to carry, what do we do? We remember at least the last few words of that verse. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. He has not stopped being compassionate and merciful, even though you're going through this. And so we can pray, Lord, please do grant me the broader shoulders to bear what you are passing me, giving me to bear. But help me also to be patient. And if life is too hard, too difficult, too heartbreaking at the moment, remember also those last few words. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. He has not stopped being that way. And we pray, Lord, you know how I feel. You know what, what's happening in my heart. You understand. And so please give me the strength to get through this day and help me to be patient. Or if it's too painful, it's just a bit too much. Well, we remember the prophets. You see, we who believe share the same faith as the prophets. We who believe share the same God as the prophets, and so we too can, like them, persevere with trust and wait patiently because Jesus is near. Even amongst our church family, both morning and evening, often I, I do go around and I go visit the elderly, and I would ask, so how are you going in life? And I don't want the superficial answer. 
How are you going in life? How's life treating you? And those who do open up their heart, they share such wonderful, encouraging words. These are some of the words from amongst our church family. One who is struggling said, well, one day at a time, and each day is a blessing. Another one, if I could put one foot before the other, then it's okay. And that same lady, she said, and she's struggling. She said, if I can wake up in the morning and sit up and look up, hallelujah. I find that so encouraging. Waiting, perseveringly, patiently. So how will you wait? Well, to apply this text to us, and I suspect you all have your varying different experiences of life at this time. How do you wait? How do you cope with all of life's trials and difficulties? Well, the first thing I want to say for us who do believe is we can wait with a restless patience. You see, we live in the overlap of the ages between the first coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus. And so we live in this period called the last days. The next thing in the cosmic event of the universe will be the return of Jesus. And so we live in this period where there is tension and we'll live with that. And so there's a sense of restlessness now for us because life is not the way it's meant to be. There's the grind and the mundaneness and the hardship and the heartache and the sorrows and the bereavement. And we're restless for better things. We're restless for a better life. C.S. Lewis again, he said, The fact that our heart yearns for something earth can't supply is proof that heaven must be our home. We're restless until we get home. And so there's a sense of restlessness now, but also there is that sense to, to be patient now. God will have his own timing. God always has his own timing. We can whinge and complain, but God will always do it his way. And we see that throughout the Bible. Abraham, he was promised a son. How long did he have to wait for that son? 25 years. And we can't wait a minute. Joseph, the time between his dream and the time when he became prime minister of Egypt, how long was that? Years of being betrayed by his brother, slandered, imprisoned. It was 14 years. And we just read it as a couple of verses. King David, he was anointed as a teenager that he'll be the next king. And how long did it take for him to become king? Well, it was after years of being chased around. People wanted him dead. It was after 15 years. You see, God has his own timing. And God's timing often seems longer than what we would like. And so even in our own experiences where we want things now, instantly, at least that, that's a lesson. We can be patient because God will have his own timing. If it's injustices I experience, well, vindication may come, but it may take time. If it's grief and sorrow, heartbreak and heartache, well, that will take time to heal. And so it's worth reflecting whatever is bearing on your heart, it will take time. Because in God's time, our restlessness will one day give way 
to a perfect rest. And our hope for that eternal home will finally be fulfilled when Jesus returns. And so we live now with this restless patience. But we can live now with this restless patience because we have a hopeful perspective. It's a hopeful perspective and it is a real hope. It is not wishful thinking. You see, often in life we hear all around the media, magazines, a lot of it is just pop psychology just to make us feel good for the moment. But it leaves us empty. A lot of, a lot of it is just wishful thinking. When I conduct funerals, I conducted one a, a couple of weeks ago and I'll conduct another one this coming Friday. What I always say at funerals is we're not here to listen to wishful thinking. Empty words. That's not what you want to hear at this point. What you need at this point is solid information to stand on, to stake your life on. Because that's what we want, not wishful thinking. And so that's what we have here in Scripture. Not wishful thinking, but real information to stake our life on. Because Jesus will return. That is the hopeful perspective we have. That is how we can cope. How we can endure and persevere because we know what the end is like. You know, Aslan is on the move. Jesus is near. So we press on because joy will follow grief. Gain will follow pain. Rest will follow toil. Life will even follow after death for God's future will be great. And isn't that the reason why as we heard this evening from Mally's story in the darkness of her life in what she endured I mean, you couldn't wish her experience upon anyone else but yet in that experience waiting patiently persevering with this hope that comes from God and isn't that the reason how any Christian can persevere and endure through life it was the reason for how that family I shared of at the beginning the Chapman family could cope with the tragic loss of their daughter in their pain, they clung to God. In their sorrow, they hoped for glory. In their heartache, they lived patiently, waiting for Jesus. And in that same song I shared at the beginning, he finishes it this way. He imagines it from the perspective of Jesus. And it's wonderfully written. He imagines what Jesus will say to him. And he says this in that same song. And he's counting down the days till he says, come with me. And finally he'll wipe every tear from our eyes and make everything new just as he promised. Wait and see. And so we can endure because that's the perspective we have. That is real solid information we have, not wishful thinking. And so we can be strengthened because we know where our future will be. And isn't that, in fact, just like our Saviour himself? I mean, why have you thought about it? Why would Jesus Christ, the one who made everyone, gave everyone life and gave us our soul, why would he allow himself to be spat upon, mocked, ridiculed, denied? I mean, how does the Son of God allow the people he made deny who he is as their creator? just baffles me he allows himself to be condemned flogged butchered 
crucified with the very hands he made. How would God allow that? How did Jesus allow that? Or wasn't it because he knew the end? He was hopeful. He had that hopeful perspective. And Hebrews, he puts it clearly. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Our Lord waited, endured, persevered so patiently, and so must we. And so how will you wait in your life, in your trials, in your sorrows, in your difficulties, with a restless patience, but with a hopeful perspective. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you give us words that we can stake our life on, not wishful thinking, not pop psychology, but what you have done by your power, and by your spirit. And we pray, Lord, that as we live our life, that we will endure patiently, knowing and trusting with absolute certainty that Jesus is returning and that he'll make all wrongs right. And so we do pray with the saints of old who prayed, Come, Lord Jesus, come. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.